This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Thanks so much for coming on the show. This is great. I'm glad to finally meet you. This is because this is how we meet each other nowadays. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, what you're passionate about? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here uh, and to share a little bit more about Narrator myself. So to kind of put everything into perspective, I have a huge passion for understanding how people think. And it'd be like my entire life has just been centered around that. So from starting with autonomous cars and how do we think about like how we behave in driving to missile defense, which is how do we reason about it, to WeWork, where we're making a lot of decisions with data, to today, which is Narrator, uh, a company helping people make better decisions. And the reason why that's so critical for us is that we're not about giving you tools to visualize. We're not about giving you tools to process your data We do all that stuff, but the key of Narrator is that we help you make better decisions. And that requires the right tool to help you understand your data, to combine your data, to analyze your data, to interpret your data, and to consume the the insight has to happen all seamlessly connected so that you can make the best decision. And I think that's what I hope to spend the rest of my life doing, helping people make a little bit better decisions every day. Wow, I love it. That's That's fascinating. Can you tell us about how you got into it? I mean, what was there like a triggering event that that sort of gave you this revelation on, on that that's where you what did you want to pursue or how did you get there? Yeah, so I think with the so I'm assuming you're specifically in narrator <laughs> and well, you can um, talk about the what was the first thing you mentioned? Uh, I thought that was really compelling. What was the first thing that you driving cars? Really- yeah, there's yeah. Self-driving cars. There's missile defense. It's like I have a very self-driving cars and people, because you know that is one of my one of my big big pet peeves is how poor human drivers are, right? And the decisions yeah. that they make, you know, every second as they're driving. It's like, oh my god, it, like I cannot wait for autonomous vehicles because people are such poor drivers now. You know what's really funny <laughs> is that I love that statement because it's actually a function of everything that humans we humans do there are some stuff that we're really good at and there's some stuff that we're really bad at and like our ability to combine sorts of a hundred different pieces of information and make a conclusion is incredible our ability to come up with new things is incredible i've done a lot of ai my whole life like you're not going to get close but a human's ability to understand how like their own measurements are errored is really bad. So like when we consume information, like every human thinks that they're way safer as a driver or way more like they have a lot more space or, oh, I have less space or this person is so far away. All these small mistakes, we operate with so much confidence in our like very fuzzy data. Like 
I bet you like a computer, a human being driving in fog and driving in normal will be like, oh, it's 10% harder to drive in fog. While a computer knows that it's like 90% harder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that it's almost separates. Like, it's almost like we, ha- we, we have our, our uh, you know, our egos make us think that we're better than we actually are, right? Oh my God. And in data, when you make data decisions, everyone who's, everyone loves to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like 80% accurate. Like, oh, like, yeah, we don't do the data the right way, but we're like, we're 80% accurate. And I love asking. And I'm like, how do you know that you're 80% accurate? 80% is a great number. People love throwing the number 80%. It's like one of my favorite numbers because everyone's <laughs> like, 80% of data science's work is cleaning. And you're like, okay, but what does that mean? They're like, 80% of questions can be answered with these dashboards. I'm like, can they? Because you have a thousand questions and you're a backlog, like can 80% be answered? Oh yeah, this is 80% accurate. Is it, or is it a hundred or is it zero? Like in data, knowing how accurate you are is amazing when we work with customers and we're always kind of seeing them as they start doing data analysis. Um, Narrative makes that so much easier and so much more accurate and more reliable. And they're like, wow. Yeah, I knew that this was the right way, but I didn't know like that this entire thing would affect our conversion rate by like 1%. And I'm like, yeah, like you think it's important, but it doesn't matter to your business. And you're like, didn't realize. So our ability to scale our own information is really hard and tools honestly make it harder. Like the sad truth is every single company is incentivized to make you know less. Like all these dashboarding tools want you to create more and more dashboards they don't care if you understand them. Actually, it's better that you don't understand them because the more you don't understand them, the more like you get a world map with a bunch of red dots and you're like, cool. Like that is the goal yeah. of these tools. And I need, and people end up getting lost in that. And then that leads into bigger teams and more tools. And like, like so I think that's kind of the goal is like, when you think about all these different pieces as humans, helping people, human make the right decision is about giving them the right information at the right time with the right level of context and information in a way that they can consume it so that they can be informed and also understand how how much to trust this opinion versus just like women convert better than men like wow well i make it that sounds like a completely impossible task though i mean how how do you put together the data in such a way that they can get like you say, you know, the right thing at the right moment in the right context so that they can actually make that decision. I mean, is the AI making that decision? Is there, are there human minds behind that too? I mean, how do you get there? It seems yeah. like a phenomenally difficult task. Great, great question. So the answer is it's a really difficult task and uh, there's, <laughs> it has to be done in pieces. So here's how it works in Narrator. The first thing is you do is that you need data to be accurate. So we, we end up building the world as building blocks that have standard structure so that we can validate them and constantly be evaluating them to ensure accuracy. So we like data is wrong is goes away because we actually piece it together in very specific ways to guarantee it. Then the moment that the user asks a question, you need to be able to take that question and convert it into a data question, which we have a very beautiful UI to help you do that. And that has to be able to, any question has to be able to answer. So you need to make sure that your data can answer any question and guarantee that the user is making the right decisions to like define exactly what they're looking for, which includes giving them some sample customers so they can see their journeys and really understand them, really understand each row. And then when you go to evaluate that, that evaluation needs to have like one button, evaluate this, 
And so now you believe it, you see the data, you trust it, it represents what you're looking for. And now you're trying to evaluate if something matters. The answer can't be in dashboards. It has to be a story. So when you read our analyses, they start off with the real question that you're asking. They give you a recommendation upfront. They quantify it for you. And then there is lots of iteration done and a lots of intelligence being placed together. As you read the story, it's like you are thinking about it yourself. Like, okay, let's understand how many people we're seeing. Okay, there's a lot of people here. Let's understand the overall baseline. And it's giving you the answer in text upfront, giving you a summary explaining what you're gonna learn and then putting the plots or the visualizations as supporting evidence. So we're priming you on how to interpret it using supporting evidence, breaking up into chunks. So you learn one thing and then, okay, now I get this one step. Now let's see it. And it's trying to apply a lot of things that seem like the way you think about it, but doing it in code. So for example, let's say your conversion rate changes because you changed something. We need to be able to say, okay, I noticed that your conversion rate changed. Now let's look at zoom in at the current conversion rate in this like current stable period. And now let's slice it. Now we found a feature that's important. Let's say the feature is gender. Great. Now this feature could be important aggregation, but we need to check it over time to see if it's always been a reliable feature. Then we now understand, okay, it actually has only been reliable for the last seven months. Let's grab that recent data. Now let's check, do we have enough data to make that interpretation? And we're asking those questions in text for you, giving you the answer, interpreting it, and using the plot to validate that you can read it. And then we simulate the impact for you, quantify where you are today. And this whole thing is written as a story that you can share with people. And narrator goes, don't worry, we're gonna ask this question for you every single week or every single day or every single month. And if the outcome changes, we'll let you know. So what's doing that is all these little steps along the way doesn't just give somebody the answer, but it makes someone understand how we got the answer and believe in the confidence themselves. And in the process, we helped quantify the impact for them as we took each step along the way. And I think that's the level. And then that inspires another question. And then you go through this process again. We're helping you sample people, do it and dive into them. And I think that's how you get someone to actually make the right decision is you need like these hundred steps in between that have to happen so seamlessly and invisibly for the user so that they can believe that. So I'm, I'm trying to sort of visualize that, how it would, uh, would actually work. Can, can you give us like a sample question? I know you, you touched on it a little bit there when you said, you know, there's my uh, acquisition reduced or something like that. Can you, can you give us yeah. a sample and like work through that? So, I mean, I, I think I need to see an example. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can, sh uh, can I share my screen here or no? Just... Uh, you can, yeah, but unfortunately it. no let's one's going to be able to see podcast. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So a good question I like to always do is, uh, let's say you're an email marketing campaign uh, team and you're trying to understand, given email, how likely, uh, what's the best email campaign to get an order, mm -hmm. okay? So let's talk about all the steps that need to happen perfectly so that you can do it. One is I need to start with, give me all the emails and let me know if they converted to an order. First thing I do, I, I, my sanity check is that, do I have every email I sent? Does the total number of emails match up to the total number of emails I sent? Second thing is, I'm, I wanna know that this email correctly attributed that email to that order. Well, how does it do that? Well, first of all, it needs to be able to work across multiple devices. Two, it needs to use my order data from my source of truth. It needs to be able to stitch it together. And for us, we stitch it based on time. So you can see a customer had an email, then had some web visit and then order. So we're able to do over multiple devices across different, uh, we have 10 email clients. We have, we see all our emails, whether they're used five or six different email clients and your orders are coming from your internal database or your Shopify or whatever. 
So narrator then takes that, you put those th two parameters in and now you get a row. Each row is that specific email, whether that email lets an order or not. And you can click on it and see that row customer's journey. So, so do you have to build that integration every time or right, like do you integrate with a set of tools or how does that part work? Yeah, great question. So we can connect to your data warehouse. So you've already dumped all your data into your data warehouse. We connect to that one place that has access to all your data. And then we, um, in like the onboarding process, we actually define, remember those building blocks. So that opened email will be a building block. Completed order will be a building block that you build. So we build them, validate them, make sure that they're good. They get verified. And now the person who's answering the question just uses them and knows that they're right. Cool. So that first thing that had to happen, which took us three years to get right, is that stitching of those two building blocks needs to stitch together without having any predefined joins. Like there's no VLOOKUP. It has to like kind of figure it out. Then the user goes, great. I want to know if campaign type matters. So you need to be able to say analyze campaign type and I need to do it over time. So you press those three buttons and then narrator literally outputs an entire text story. If you go to our website or see our stuff, you'll see a story. It looks like a consulting level PDF analysis where so it's like hence the name narrator i guess that's where exactly. you came from came up <laughs> yes so it literally is a story and the story literally reads the way i describe it. it it reads if you could tell that this is written by a computer not by a human being it's mostly well there's like the way that it works is really interesting it's a human robot interaction combining but that reads like a perfectly written story for you it's actually quite amazing how well it reads for the customers. So you read the story and in the story, there's plots, plots. You can dive into the, each individual data point. You can click into it and get to the exact people and the exact emails that make up that specific data point. Um, that's how granular you can be a narrator. But you read this entire story and it's pretty much just like you're literally reading it like a book and you scroll. And as you read, it gives you the uh, answers, it tells you what it's going to do and it does it and it shows the plots and you just scroll and read the entire analysis and you can, and it's saved in the places and you can save those like kind of key things as like KPIs and slice and dice them different ways and run more analysis and you can do all the fun stuff that you would do in a data tool. But the key thing here is that you can start from a question and even though the input was like about four clicks, like open the email order, give me the first in between, analyze button, the conversion rate. Everything else that has happened in the background to piece that together is what makes it seem so like it's a conversation that you're having with the computer. And then you can be like, oh, interesting. Well, I want to follow up. Can I actually only look at this for women? Then you go back data set, you filter for only women, rerun the analysis and boom, it gives it to you. And I think that conversation that you're having with the computer, I only want to look at people who recently submitted three tickets. That's a complicated question. You can easily add that in narrator, boom, 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 rerun it. And I think that's the level that you want to be able to do is be able to ask any question instantly, get these detailed stories and be able to not only just look at pure just plots, but also see the raw data, but also see the individual makeups, because I think that's what, how you build your intuition to do this better. And I think that's kind of the journey. And every question you asked, now you have a narrator repository of these stories that you asked, that everyone asked, all these different pieces all put together available for everyone to understand and interpret. So do you use something like OpenAI to to generate the the stories as well? Or, okay, so let, let, let's step back a little bit. So there's AI throughout your entire product, right? I mean, I'm assuming there's AI in the stitching part and there's AI in the generation part. I mean, do you use OpenAI or did you roll your own? Yeah, so um, so there's, there's a lot of AI being done in Narrator and in different places. The thing about 
I always say this thing, if you can see which part is AI and which part is done by humans, then you've kind of like understood the nuance and narrator. But I think most people can't. Like I have missile defense algorithms in there and like uh, algorithms I wrote for like- car, That's for dangerous car stuff, man. You got that. <laughs> well, like the thing about it is like the hardest things that happen, we do with our eyes invisibly. That's the magic of like, like I think that, I think that the reason why I, like, I actually like to say like we, if you notice actually our branding has no AI in it. We avoid all AI from our brand because I don't want it. Like AI has gotten a really interesting rep for being so gimmicky and people love black box AI. We're like, oh, we'll give you the answer. Like I, when I was at WeWork, we used Watson and we're like, and I was like, guys, like I'm literally an expert in AI. I have like tactical algorithms, literally on missile defense equipment for the government. I have, I had autonomous car, self-driving car in 2010. Like I've done a lot of this stuff. Um, and I don't think this is good. And they're like, no, no, we're going to give it a try. And they're like, okay, Watson is going to figure out our turn. I'm like, okay. So we had this presentation and uh, they're like, oh, Watson. They're like, we figured out the leading indicator for turn is submitting the move out form. And you needed AI for that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is true. Like, now, now, if you understand like the nuance of AI, like why Watson made that mistake is actually a very interesting problem in data. But the point is, you can clearly tell that that wasn't written by a human being because a human being would be like, this is stupid. So when you do our narrat narratives and you see them and you interpret and read them, I don't think most people will be able to tell you which part uses the AI, which part doesn't. And I think when you go in to also use the and uh, combine the data and have it see it, it should feel like you're like really just explaining like the kind of thing you're looking for. And it has to kind of be very consistent. So there's different parts because you don't want data to change. So your ability to associate it together, that at its core is not AI. Um, but there's all these other places that you leverage AIs um, and algorithms, but it has to look like it's invisible. I think that like, so I always like people to think that they're like, some people will be like, oh, wow, how did you generate this whole thing? This is can't be done by a human. You did it in a second. Like, this is just too good to look AI. You're doing some like something sneaky. And some people will be like, there's no AI here. And some people will say there's a lot of AI here. And I think the fact that people can pinpoint where it is, is the true magic that this thing does read so much like a story that you can't tell. I think that's the goal of what we try to bring is a level of quality in like doing it in very subtle ways that the user doesn't feel like it's bullshit. And I think that's the key. So I love hard, it. I love it. But it works. So let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about so are you the are you one of the founders of the company? Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about your your startup story like how, how like how you got into this and what made you decide to go down this way? And like, did you have like a moment when you realized this thing was going to be successful? Like what was your like trigger moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't have like a very, I think my story is interesting, but it's not like a standard story like you hear. So um, I used to run data for WeWork. And if you if you've never set up a data system and I was to tell you how data actually works, you'd be like, that's crazy. Like, but the reality is every question you ask goes to a data engineer who's being paid a lot of money or an analytics engineer. We have to figure out and write thousands of lines of SQL and put it in this really complex table so that we can give it to you in a dashboard. That's why whenever you ask a follow-up question, we're like, give us like a month. 
these tables that grow to be hundreds of tables. I have so, experienced that. I have totally experienced that. <laughs> great. So like Tableau, is, right? I mean, it's like we, we, I work with people uh, doing Tableau reports, and like there's all, all they do is create more dashboards and more dashboards and more dashboards and more dashboards. It's like, can't we just find a report that that does this? It's just it's so much work. Yeah, and you're only looking at the dashboarding part. Now there's somebody who's preparing the data so that they can go into Tableau so you can actually use it. There's so many layers to that problem that you have like, and there's so many tools. And now you have all these tables that depend on each other. So now you have dependency managers and now your definitions are everywhere. So you have catalogs and dictionaries and like, oh my God, it's a crazy process. And I- I Yeah, I mean, from the outside, it looks like, oh, can you make this minor change to a report? And they're like, oh no, that's gonna take a four weeks. And I'm like, four weeks? <laughs> what takes, yeah, I could do a whole startup in four weeks nowadays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you ask them like that question I told you, if you ask them like, oh, can you tell me, on this, can you just let me filter by the number of tickets they submitted um, in like number of complaint tickets they did in the last month. That would take two months, if, if yep. two months, maybe longer. So yep. hard. Yep. So the so question is, so that's what, re, so the reason why I think all the time is all these things in the middle they have to do. So I built it and I was like, it was miserable to maintain. And people were submitting so many questions that I was like, we need to rebuild it. And I was like, okay, clearly the tools we used are wrong. So I swapped out tools for more shiny tools. And then same thing. And then I swapped that shiny tools for shinier tools. And I was like, it's Chartio, it's Tableau. No, I need Tableau and Looker. Oh no, it's Airflow. No, it's Luigi. No, it's DBT. I need to build my own custom stuff. It's the warehouse. It's Redshift. No, let's use Snowflake. I just kept buying tools. And I was like, okay, I'm now at the fanciest of all the fancy tools. I have like a $3 million tool spending right now. And I'm like, we still can't answer questions. There's a list of ad hoc questions so large that we literally used to have a joke that if you're not three degrees away from the CEO, you're not worth answering our question. Right. And I think it, what that does that it trains the company to not ask questions. So companies aren't asking questions because they're like, they submit a question. It goes into this black world called data team. And we might get back to you in a month or two. And that's right. If you ever ask a follow-up, you're done. Yeah. So yeah. that's, no, I, like, I see it. I see it every day. <laughs> you see, so that sucks. Data is so valuable. And yet we don't allow people to ask mm -hmm. and answer questions. So I was doing this and I was like, okay, this is awful. There has to be a better way. I had this like, there must be a better way. But I was like, there's no way that Apple and Netflix and Spotify and Airbnb are doing this shit. So I went out and like talked to the those teams because at that time we work was a very big deal. So I had access to a lot of people. It's really nice to have that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, hey guys, how do you solve this problem? They were like, what problem? That is the job. Like data engineering is a field that's job is to do that. What do you mean problem? It's like, that is the job. Well, you're trying like, to give okay. us less work to do? Come on, yeah. that's, what we, like, that's what we do. That is literally our job. Like you're telling me that you don't want to do your job. And I was like, well, no, I got into data to make decisions. And they're like, yeah, that's like saying like, how do we solve the problem of like trash existing? It's trash exists and that's why we have like trash people to clean it up and like do it like it is the reality yeah so yeah. i was like okay screw you airbnb screw you spotify let's go to big companies let's go to google and apple and you talk to apple and they're like yeah that's literally what happens and i was like that's apple is so Same bad thing. yeah like if you think and, and you you realize that like this problem is so bad of how we're able to combine data that when you call apple support they have, they track everything you do on your phone and everything you do on their website. And yet the Apple support doesn't know that you were on the FAQ site and you were on their phone. 
Like data is so independent and, and like, and it's all in the same warehouse. So we've already solved the problem to get the data in the same place. Just using it is so hard that like you can't do anything. And it's not data size. People think it's big data. Nope, it's not size. We solved size. We can process on Snowflake and on BigQuery a trillion rows of data easily. So it's not size and it's not bringing it. Fivetran or a lot of these other tools will bring the data into your warehouse for you in 10 minutes. So what is it? And um, after doing this tour of like, everyone is like, this is a job. I had this one hypothesis that I started a company to test, which is there's something magical that happens with humans um, where we can talk about a company and our data and how we interpreted it without ever needing to understand the data model. So for example, we talk, I explained that problem of opening an email and completing an order and that customer behavior. And you don't know what my email system looks like. You don't know what my order system looks like. So how come we can do it, yet computers yeah. can't? And the problem is that yeah. standard language. So we ended up deciding, so I, the company started with ideas, if I can standardize all of the data into a standard structure that works for every question in the world, and we can use that single table structure to answer every question, then we can actually solve this problem. And it opens up a world of people now making better decisions, reusing, answering questions faster, sharing analyses, sharing algorithms. It just changes the world. And this has happened everywhere. Anytime in the world that you've had this, that's like a lot of pieces independent and customization, eventually there becomes a standard, whether it's interchangeable parts or whether it's like uh, Salesforce, an opportunity. There's always a standard and that standard enables the world to actually yep. expand way more. So data needed that standard. And we ended up then deciding to start a company to create and make that standard usable. That standard later on got called the activity schema, which it turns out if you talk mm -hmm. about things, doing stuff in time, you can represent everything because that's how we talk about it. Wow, it sounds like the grand unified theory of physics or something like that. I mean, how come nobody else came up with this? Is it is it because they just wanted to continue the make work project or is like, I mean, I commend you. It's kind of like you wanted to work less, right? I mean, that's a lot. Of, a lot of developers are like that. It's kind of like I'm creating this stuff because I want to make my job easier, and that sounds like sounds like where you went. Yeah, there's a famous quote in uh, Farsi that says, "Lazy people become inventors." <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> but so, it's amazing. How did you how did you conceptualize that? Because that sounds well, like um, impossible, almost impossible. So I think knowing exactly why the problem exists, having built the standard stack nine times, I had such a rich understanding of why, the, where the problem lives. Cause it's like in a tiny, 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 tiny place that causes this problem to happen. And it proliferates throughout the rest of the system. Now, this idea of doing a time series table to answer, uh, to represent all your data has been done many times. Facebook's internal data model used to be called Dim Actions. Uh, every company has built a time series table. The problem that took three years wasn't this, like, once you decide the model, you're like, great. Like 90 companies have come up with this idea of using time series data to represent all data. Every CDP, like customer data platform, makes been, all of them do that. Like it's, we have a very specific version of it, but, but the idea of time and entities and actions is like globally standard. The problem is that data model is not queryable and it's really hard to use to replace SQL. So SQL doesn't work. It works with joins and like kind of like VLOOKUPs. You have to stitch data with specific identifiers. This way of doing data in a long way of a time series, you lose all joins. 
So what took us three years was actually not building that model, but the commitment that we had was there has to exist a way where we can make that model work. There must be a way that we can stitch data together without these explicit foreign keys, because the problem is these foreign keys, these VLOOKUP identifiers, they never exist. And that simple problem we call the joint problem is what causes all of data to be the shit show that it is. And that problem is such an ingrained thing is that it's the fundamental of any SQL, like the actual language. So any system that's built on top of SQL needs a way to join data. Problem is that way doesn't exist. And that's why you need to put people in this whole shit show that we talked about. That solution went from, in our first version, was an airline dashboard of like a thousand buttons and clicks and knobs to try to stitch data. And now <laughs> it has become one dropdown. Like we've wow. distilled it, distilled it, distilled it, distilled it. And now you can do it. And that's what took the, the time was that was the innovation of Narrator is figuring out how to solve that problem. And once you did, now you have a standard table that every company has that looks the same. And you have a way of connecting it without worrying about identifiers. And now we were able to build analyses and analyses can be copied and pasted from one company to another. So we built a whole library of analyses. We can like literally run them. We're going to open a store soon where other companies can upload their analyses and anyone can run them. So you can share and reuse analyses and algorithms and integrations. We're talking to so many partners that they're like, oh, well, if I integrate with Narrator, I can get all, to, all your customers can use our product with one click instead of right now where we have to build a custom thing for every single specific data model. Mm -hmm. So you can see the world moves in that direction when you have that standardization. But it did take a while to get that one data model to work. And I think where most people have like gave up or did a part of it, like I think we just were like really adamant that it has to be done. Because if it wasn't done, we would still be in table hell and we don't want to be there. We want to be in decision-making hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> decisions exactly. are harder. <laughs> so do you, you're still using a ta tables though, right? I mean, you're not, you're not stepping away from... SQL completely. You like you're not using NoSQL or or doing key value pairs or anything like that. You're you're still using tables. Yeah, it's our universal way of doing data. It gets compiled down to still SQL that is used on your warehouse. So everything I described to you happens without data ever leaving your system. So data mm -hmm. stays in your warehouse because there's a lot of benefit of having your warehouse. It has all your data. You can change your mind. You can update your definitions. Yep. All that benefit. Yep. And then we have built one table inside that warehouse that we help you maintain. Uh, by defining these building blocks. And we do a lot of work. When you have one table, you can just make sure it's correct. So you do a lot of work to ensure that table's correct. Mm -hmm. And then we help you take that table and answer any question with it and then do full analyses. And we're slowly building more and more of those capabilities around that world. Because so it's just like, I guess, yeah. Sorry, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out, you said you build the table in the, the your customer's data warehouse. Mm -hmm. And then you you then you put your your dashboards and your queries on top of that. So you actually yeah, work so you, in their data mm -hmm. warehouse? Oh, cool. Yeah. They didn't ever realize that. Yeah, because you want to keep like, that security. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, everybody wants to keep their data where they are. But yeah, so you're not really a SaaS product or you are kind of a SaaS We product. are a SaaS product. We are SaaS, but we're talking to your data warehouse. So we're like a, it's, it's like a new era of products nowadays where you're seeing warehouses are so powerful and so like fast that you can actually build your product and have it talk to the warehouse constantly and do all this stuff with the warehouse to enable you to make those decisions. So everything is happening is you still have access to your data. We The stories live in on, the, on, the, on your computer. We maintain caches of the stories so you can see it faster, but all the processing and all the data preparation and everything is actually happening on your data warehouse uh, without data ever leaving your system. And I think that's like the point, right? Like we're not trying to take 
I think if you're building data for the modern future world, is that you have to think that privacy is going to be critical, control is critical, accuracy is critical, uh, consumption is critical, simplicity is critical, and you need to achieve all of them. And I think there is those are all counter to each other. If if I took your data and put it into more building it on top of your own system is mm -hmm. a nice challenge because now it's like I have to abide by your rules, by your controls, by your everything. So, but you still have your privacy data in your system. And I think in the world of like where we're going, more and more companies are going to want to control their own data. And I think it's actually better for companies to do that. So we do it and we're hundred percent transparent. Like everything you do, everything we do, you can literally see. Like is that every query we run on your system, you can see everything we do. That analysis I told you that is generated. If you ever want to know how it's generated, there's an edit button and you can build your own analysis like it. You can change nice. it. You can build analysis like it. And you can see exactly what we're doing. Um, and we, yeah, we try to avoid any secret features that are outside of our product. Everything stays in the product. So the customer and us can actually be working on the same playing field. Can I actually see this schema that you've created? I mean, if I go to your website, do you have all the documentation there? That's yeah. Like, so, or is that is that part of your secret sauce? No, 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 no. We opened we opened it. There's a whole spec on how to implement it. It's called the activity schema. So if you go to activityschema.com, you can see that entire schema. You can see exactly how we do it, and you can see exactly how it's implemented. It, there's a long spec that explains what to be aware of and how to use it. So that schema is actually simple. Uh, mm -hmm. We can share the schema because I think the more people that buy it, and then we and you can use narrator to make that schema work really seamlessly for you. But it's really simple get, schema. You're like, I, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to look at it and go, duh. <laughs> right? That's, but it takes, sometimes it takes a really long time to get the simplest solution put in place, right? I mean, because you, like you said, you just kept, you kept going, going below and below, below, like keep digging down until you got to something that worked for everyone. Yeah. So and it's much easier to go down. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's like, how long does it take to you from like from the beginning of your engagement until you can actually start working with somebody's data? I mean, does it depend on how badly messed up the data warehouse is or? Oh, no, worse data warehouse is better for us. Um, yeah, it's like uh, we do, we, we set up Narrator in two 45 minute sessions. That's it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's really simple. Like hmm. simplicity is key here. Like Narrator is very simple. It's different, but extremely simple. So yeah, two 45 minute sessions, you can get start answering questions. Our POC is really interesting, our proof of concept. We say, find two or three questions that took you like a long time to answer, and we'll show you how those two or three questions starting from nothing can be answered, and another 10 questions and 100 questions can be answered in just two 45-minute sessions. Connect your warehouse, define the building blocks in one 45-minute session, answer the questions in the next 45-minute session. That's it. Wow. Fantastic. I love it. I got I to gotta check this out. I definitely have to check this out. So so we've got to the part where uh, we have to, it's time to think like a futurist. It's the year 2032. Where do you think you will be? Like what, what do you think Narrator will be doing? Like, and, and where do you think the world will be in 10 years? So yeah, great question. Great question. So I think that actually, this is going to sound really weird, but I think data is going to become a commodity. I think actually algorithms, data, analyses, everything, the, if Narrator succeeds in the world that we're trying to create, Narrator actually will be mostly free. Like mm -hmm. data becomes, there's no people, there's no special data analyst. What you have is people who work with data every single day without realizing that they're working with data. 
And I think that's what you want. I think what you want is, is this a like world the where... is this like the transition from code to no code almost? Is that what you're? Is that what you're? I think kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, th I think a better, easier example that I like to give is like Salesforce and sa and sales. Mm -hmm. So today in Salesforce, you uh, a salesperson goes to any company, and the Salesforce works on the same way in every company. They they know what opportunities are. They talk about them. They go through stages. They snap in the, in the stack exchange and they're able to add tools that they specifically use like a call center and anything, everything stays in one place. And we understand how like your sales going and how many deals we got. And it's an operational way of uh, dealing with sales and it works interchangeably, right? Do you know what sales was like before Salesforce? Um, yeah, it was a lot more... <laughs> A lot more fly by the seat of your pants. It wasn't very product um, programmatic, right? Yeah. So there was it was open ended, but people had a lot of software. But every software was custom built. Everyone had unique ways of representing sales. Salespeople mm -hmm. had to learn a new thing to input the information. Everything was so different, and everything was so custom. And yep. Salesforce came in and said, "It turns out." All sales are the same. And everybody was like, no, we're not. Everyone is a special snowflake. Don't you dare tell me that. <laughs> and eventually it became a standard. And I think the way that we work in, in, in data today, like is we look at it um, in the same way. And I think in 30 years, you're going to go look back and say, wait, what do you mean you're coming up with a new data model? Like there is the activity schema that everyone uses that works for every case. Like it's been battle tested for 10 years and it works for every question. And like, what do you mean it took you a month to answer a question? Just going to like your narrator and answer the question. Like, and then people are gonna shift. The conversation is gonna be a lot less about being data driven. The conversation will be a lot less on like who's using AI. All that stuff I think goes away. I actually think AI becomes a much smaller part of the business. I think that mm. people go back to like, how do you make good decisions with data? And we start with the conversation is about more about decision-making and decision-making science and helping human beings make better decisions in everyday life becomes the focus and data becomes like this kind of second nature. Nobody cares about which warehouse you use. Nobody cares. All that stuff becomes commoditized very quickly. Warehouse transformation tools, doesn't matter what, what color your visualization, whether you're Tableau and you're yellow or your looker and purple, like those shit doesn't, color of your visualization goes away. People shift from all this like gimmicky, like we need more theater into more decision-making sciences. And there is one tool that's a standard that wins. And it has to be a standard and it has to be a single tool. And it has to win the entire data market because there's like a thousand tools right now and you can't work. Yep. And um, be, luckily for you're, us, we're you're the talking first... to human beings now, right? So you're, you're presenting data for human beings to make decisions yeah. on. There's no reason why you can't do the same thing for AI, right? An AI can use Narrator yeah. to build to make its own decisions based on what you're providing, yeah. Oh, 100%. So we have a lot of customers that take the narrator set up and then they prepare the data and then give it to a computer to make those decisions. And I think when we talk about like the stack exchange, like simple samples, you're gonna be able to say like run analysis on that, like do prediction models, bring that back to a product. But all that becomes less about like using AI and more about like, oh, um, I wanna feed the segment back to my customers and make sure the segment is up to date with the most likely to maximize LTV. We're gonna talk about it that way, about the goal, because the implementation is gonna be cheap and easy that you don't have to think too much about it. Right now, we spend all our time thinking about the implementation, thinking about the core pieces, thinking about how we set this up, thinking about the warehouse, how we're gonna store the data, how we're gonna capture it. All that stuff- Yeah, it's all tactical as opposed away. to strategic. 
right? I mean, it's, it's, exactly. there's a lot of tactics, a lot of steps involved in doing all this. We, have, we haven't gotten beyond that part yet, but it's like once you've implemented this, then you can go beyond it, right? Exactly. And we need something to be standardized so that you can, so you can go beyond it. Because otherwise, everyone has to solve the problem and every tool has to work for like a weird input and you have no standard. Like you're just like, it's like in, before interchangeable parts, if you came to your car to get fixed, it's like, well, we got to, I don't know, make the screw that you're using. Like, you're like, I don't even know how people fix that. You get a 3D print and machine all the parts. (laughs) Yeah. Like versus now we're like, oh, the screw's off, put another one. So you need to get that standard. And I think Narrator is the first company to create a standard. And it's the first company that has a standard that can answer any question. And uh, that's kind of the mission that we're on is to really bring that standard so that people can stop thinking about data and start thinking about the decision, start thinking about the strategy. You're going to put a lot of data people out of work. These data people are going to be very unhappy about what you're doing. I the don't CEOs think so. and the CTOs might be happy, but the data people are like, "What?" Really, I really don't <laughs> think so because I think data people came into the business. So this is a funny thing, right? We get that question a lot when we sell narrators, like, "Are we going to lose our jobs?" And I'm like, and I always ask the same question: Why did you get into data? I don't think any data person came into data to build tables. Data people are trained and experts in reasoning about probability and reasoning about uncertainty and making decisions. Like I spent 10 years making this, like learning how to make a good decision. And like, I spent zero time at WeWork helping people make good decisions. Instead, I was like, help people build a plot so that you can take this diluted piece of visualization at all your bad decision-making and make a decision and run with it when I spent hours thinking about the problem, like this is the problem. Data people, we're diluting them and treating them like, I think in the old days, remember when you, people used to call like their engineering team, like IT, and it was such a small piece and nobody cared about engineering. Today, oh, yeah. engineering yeah, is part absolutely. of the org. To mm-hmm. retreat data, like IT, like data, go set up my tables and then give me dashboards and I make decisions. And just like it happened with engineering, I think data is gonna be part of the decision makers. And they're going to be critical because they're the ones helping you evaluate and think through the problem and ask better questions. So I think data people are going to have a much, much more powerful impact on the company. And instead of being this like offset, like IT team that just kind of does build your plots so that you can make the decision. Instead, visualization, analysis, all this becomes commoditized thanks to narrator and you can ask and answer questions. And data people become your team members and helping you make the best decision. And I think every data person got into that job to do that. So I think the data people are going to be so happy that they're not doing bullshit work. Instead, they're actually helping a business make better decisions. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that's exactly where the data people have ended up being sort of like a service organization for the business. And and they're just told, hey, do all this stuff. And there's all this tactical work that they need to do. But then when they, once they present the dashboards, you know, the decisions are out, out of their hands. So that's that that that's that sounds like a great yeah. um, future for for data folks. I hope so. That's what we're going for, and we're gonna do we're doing it together. So it's a journey. Awesome. Uh, awesome. This is so. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. This is really interesting. I, I definitely have to check that out when I uh, after this show. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, website, contact yeah, information. Check out our website. Uh, my Twitter is AE for the number four AI. Uh, LinkedIn, and if you really want to dive into these things or have any specific questions, my email is just Ahmed at narrator.ai. And I will respond to you and we can figure this out together. So I'm excited so, to be here. So you have a .ai domain, but you're not, you don't use AI. Is that right? Uh, you know, we do use AI, but we don't use AI in our branding. <laughs> we avoid the like, AI website. Like you won't see it in our website. You'll see it in our domain. 
we started off with AI as a big core, and then we slowly made it more um, muted so that people don't get distracted by the AI. Instead, they focus on the decision. So read yeah. the story and make the AI invisible so it doesn't sound gimmicky. Like we don't want anyone that's, to be misled. That's funny. It sounds like the opposite of a friend of mine has started a new business. And he, he purposely got the dot AI domain on it to make it sound more like they're using AI, but it's totally human driven on the back end. So <laughs> he just wants to he just wants to leverage the hype. So it's good that you're not leveraging the hype, that you've got some yeah, real stuff. Anti -hype. Awesome. anti hype. <laughs> anti hype. Hype gets I love you it. I love in the it. door, but it doesn't get you to stay. And we want to be there exactly. for the long term. Exactly. Well thank you so much. This has been great. Talk to thank you. Thank you so much. I had a lovely time. Thank you. All right. Bye bye.